0: My name is Danielle Isbell, and this is GodCast. Today we have part two of Alex Cook's interview. As a refresher, Alex is a muralist, painter, and musician, and his murals are deeply rooted in his spiritual and religious beliefs. You can learn more about his work as a muralist in part one. This episode focuses on Alex's religious and spiritual journey. It is deeply grounding, insightful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Here's Alex Cook, part two. But wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for um, taking some time. I'm really excited about this conversation. And I... I want to start us off um, talking about some of your earliest understandings and theological intuitions or ideas about God. So when you were growing up, when you were young, how did that conversation um, about God or around God happen with you and and your family and surroundings?
1: Yeah, so I was raised in the Christian Science Church, um, and I am a Christian Scientist now. And so I grew up going to a Christian science Sunday school. uh, And by the time I was uh, I sort of got it, but I sort of didn't get it. Um, And I stopped going to Sunday school when I was around 12 years old. Um, And I I was the my home was pretty, pretty religious. I was I was certainly taught uh, about God and taught to pray and and that sort of thing. Um, but it wasn 't really until I was a teenager that I started having experiences of God independently just in my life on my own mm-hmm. um that uh I became very interested in God and really fell in love with God very much outside of a um of a institutional situation mm-hmm. uh It was really just being on walks and kind of beginning to feel the things that i had been told about and it was only after a few years of having these experiences where i started to go oh that's that's god Mm -hmm. that's what they were talking about um you know feelings of of you know a universal uh universal love that was not dependent upon my emotions or my feelings or what somebody did or didn't do Mm -hmm. um you know i i very specifically, I remember being, you know, maybe 17 or 18 years old and just being out on a walk in the middle of the night and just from out of nowhere feeling love just is. And it's not dependent upon me, but it has everything for me. Hmm. Um, and it was just the greatest feeling I had ever felt. And then as I thought and thought and felt and thought and thought some more, I thought, oh, you know. This is the real thing, of what I've been told about for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, because it was so wonderful, it became the most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I and I really became very very dedicated to it. And that began, you know, the lifelong navigation of uh, living a religious spiritual experience that's informed by by life, but is also in relation to texts that don't change.
0: Hmm. There's a lot I want to pick up in that. Um, so I didn't realize that you had a Christian science background. And actually, that is um, how my partner was raised. And ah. so I have maybe a little bit more familiarity with people with it than people who were not raised in that background, so I'd be curious if we could hold on that for just a moment. I think that there's a lot of people who don't have a understanding of what Christian science is in relation to other Christian practices. I think some people um, confuse it with Scientology at times, so if you could perhaps provide just a quick primer, you know, what is core to Christian science and... Um, what is perhaps compelling about that way of relating to God and others?
1: Mm -hmm. So Christian science is a uh, Christian sect that was uh, uh, brought about, uh, founded in the late 19th century by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy. Um, One of its main focuses is on spiritual healing, um I, I it's obviously hard to encapsulate the whole thing quickly. Right. Sorry. Um, but no, uh uh but some basic ideas are that God is an unchanging principle mm. that can be um that one can can go to uh reliably mm. and that one can understand. Um, I think a lot of uh, Mary Baker Eddy was had a strong thrust against a capricious God Hmm. um, but that God is uh, is a principle an unchanging law of love Um, and my experience tells me through my lens of Christian science that, that that is true but it's not a Sort of soft human kind of love always. It's it's a love that um, is healing and demanding and very and 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 requires progress toward itself of the human life. Hmm. Um, I guess I diverged from your question a little bit. No, that was great.
0: <laughs> well, and the other piece of. What I wanted to pick up on and what you were first discussing is it sounded like wonder. Wonder was kind of a a turning point or a moment of transition for you. Your experience of God and experience of this love um, led to a sense of wonder. And I hear you talking about going to church and then stopping at a certain point, but having these experiences of God. And I'm just curious to hear you reflect more on that interplay between your experience of God and love and then religious practice and how that manifests in your life.
1: Yeah, it's just so fascinating. I just love to think about this stuff. So like I said, I, I quit going to, to Sunday school at the age of 12 mm-hmm. and then in, in the next years fell in love with God. And then at the age of 24 was divinely impelled to return to church,
2: hmm.
1: specifically the Christian Science Church. Um, it was very surprising to me to have that happen. Uh, and, and as with all the best things in my life felt like it was not my idea.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, it really felt like a, you know, a piece of guidance from this holy, uh, guide, uh, you know, go back to church. And so that was very disorienting because I, I kind of had only sort of disdainful ideas about organized religion at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were basically to make a a long story short, I was in kind of a kind of a dumb relationship that wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't feeling that great. And I didn't wasn't even praying exactly, but just had this idea that said like, the thing you need is structure. And, and you're going to find structure at church. It was as simple as that, hmm. and it felt like the voice of God, and I thought, well, that feels right. <laughs> I'm going to go with it, and I went back to church, and um, for quite a while, for, for some years, going to church was pretty uncomfortable,
2: hmm.
1: but, but I did it because I knew that, that you know I didn't know anything better than God, and nothing was safer than doing what God told me to do. So I continued going to church, um, and I had a lot of my corners rounded, and I had a lot of um, humbling experiences and a lot of, of um, exalting experiences, um, and you know where I found myself some years later really at home with church, uh, really able to uh, receive good things from it and definitely as importantly, really able to make strong, vibrant contributions to it. Mm. Um, I went on to, um, I mean, nowadays I work for churches a lot. Like I'm very, very involved in church, not only in my personal life, but in my professional life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have just gone through a lot of transformations, not only in my interior spiritual life, but with regard to how to be at peace with institutions, how to participate in church, how to forgive church for its shortcomings mm. um, how to uh really be so grateful for all the things that that church does for me and the world um, yeah it's it's really it's really been a, a a path a navigation that I continue to navigate
0: mm. can you talk about that um forgiving institutions a little more. I think a lot of people have some hesitation or experience with institutions, specifically religious ones that were harmful or hurtful, um, but have also experienced love and peace and joy from those same places. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just speak for myself in this, but that's an experience I've had. Um, yeah. So talk a little bit more about that, forgiving institutions and being a part of them.
1: My sense of uh my spiritual path has sh- has shown me anyway that uh we are constantly being uh being led to not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Hmm. Um that's my sense of of grace. Uh You know, if people or institutions were defined by their worst act, we're all screwed. Hmm. You know, uh, nothing works if people are defined by their worst days, by their worst actions. Um, So if we are sincerely seeking the good, the best, the holy thing, we find it in We find it on earth in imperfect places. Um, So my desire to hold to the good required me, requires me again and again and again and again to forgive the human imperfections that are right next to holiness. Um, At the beginning, that was really hard to countenance. Because we want perfection to just be perfect on its own. But in the human world, it is stitched right into human life. Um, Mm. So my sense is, like I said, I felt like God, the holy thing, has led me to church and church is my place. Then when I'm in church, I find all these imperfections and things that I like either don't like or like make me uncomfortable or whatever but god god wants me at church Mm -hmm. so i'm really stuck between a a rock and a hard place and i think that's what so much of spiritual practice is like and Mm -hmm. and and that is redemption that is redemption is being stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place again and again and again and again. And after a while, you get used to it, and you go, okay, well, you know, God is redeeming me. Praise the Lord. Thank God that God is redeeming me.
2: Hmm.
1: And, um, you know, after a while, it... Uh, it starts. It stops being surprising that you find yourself stuck stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you realize, well, this is just how it works.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> um, and having those resolutions, you know, the 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 rock and a hard place situation means that something has to shift. Either church has to change, or I have to change. You know, um, and sometimes it's church. The changes and sometimes it's me that changes mm-hmm. but it's always the weak the weak link has to give up the ghost mm. and has to be replaced by the nature of God
2: mm. wow
1: um, whether it be in the institution or in myself or both but the whole thing is about bringing more of the spirit into practice
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and when that happens, just one more thing, yeah. when that happens um, that is Healing and when that happens it makes me go, Oh, that I want more of this. You know? I I want the thing in me that was resistant or angry or disdainful or whatever. I want that to be destroyed. Um so that's that's what forgiving institutions looks like to me. It's be it's just because I want to keep holding on to God.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, um, if we could live our lives constantly remembering that no person or institution be- should be defined by their worst act, I think our ways of being with one another in this world would transform. I mean, I mm-hmm. um, that's really, really powerful. And I think um, I'm thinking about uh, I I believe I heard from the event we did together with um, Shelton that you have worked in prisons, is that correct? Yeah. Can you So as I hear you talking about this, um, it, that feels connected, that belief that no one should be defined by their worst act feels connected to um, the desire, the work that you might do in prison. So can you talk a little bit about what led you to that specific work and how that has um, manifested?
1: Sure. So between uh, 2007 and and 2014, I worked as a volunteer chaplain at a jail here in Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, as with as with lots of the best things I ever did, and I would put that on the on the list of the best things I ever did, um, it was not something I was seeking. Exactly. A friend of mine who had been in that position um, really came to me one day and he was moving and he said, I need someone to take over for me in this position. And you seem like you would be good at this, <laughs> you know, and I, and I had never even thought of it, not once. Um, and he said, well, you know, give me, make, give me your decision in a, in a week or two. Um, and the, the rule that um, I deferred to in that situation it was something that, that had been coming to me over some time was uh, if you are given an opportunity to do something good do it. Um, so I thought this is good. It's really outside my comfort zone. I don't know how to do it, but my rule tells me when I've been given the opportunity to do something that will enable me to do good and probably like grow me a lot, do it. So I said, yes, not knowing where it was going to go. And it ended up being like, I almost quit being an artist and became a, became an army chaplain. (laughs) <laughs> because of how much I loved that work. Mm. Um, it was so, so substantial. Um, and I learned so much more about the Bible and my religion and how to communicate and all of these just incredible spiritual concepts through that, through that work. One of them being uh, this concept of, of endless grace and that people are not defined by what they have done. It's just they just aren't defined by that. People are defined by their ability to grow in grace. That's what defines people. Mm-hmm. You know, people are defined by by what they love. So I found that uh, it, it really wasn't wasn't hard. Even um, I, you know, this concept of of love had been had been basic to me for years. You know, your job is to be an expression of God's love. So I went into this space and very quickly, I remember the first time I was sitting across a table from this guy who had requested a chaplain visit. And it's the first chaplain visit I've ever done in my life. Um, and I was sitting across from this like nervous kid who like was telling me about his drug problems and he had, you know, uh, committed a robbery because he needed money for drugs and stuff. Um, and i just had this feeling of like this is so familiar this is so like natural to be sitting with this person talking about his life trying to be helpful um hmm. it just felt so so natural to like try to be a support to this kid uh it wasn't about judgment of him at all it was in fact like take all of judgment out of this mm-hmm. it just doesn't even belong in the room mm-hmm. because who cares What happened in the past? The whole thing is to bring more of God onto planet Earth. Hmm. Um, It's not about putting anybody in a box or a category or like that's all God's job. My job, our job is in this conversation to bring God's love to bear Hmm. and help life, help help this person's life be more bear more fruit.
0: Hmm. Wow. I feel like I've heard in you talking several times this notion or sense that you weren't doing something specific when you encounter the voice of God or encounter um, someone offering you an opportunity to serve as a chaplain in a prison. And I, I think about that a fair amount is how how can we listen for the voice of God, how can we um, put ourselves in places where uh, the ability to sit with people and meet their human needs is there for us? So I, I'll tell a quick story. I used to volunteer at a um, at a street newspaper, and um, so of course the people who were selling um, the newspaper were people who were homeless or near homeless, and. It really was kind of random. I think I hear some of what you've been speaking about in my experience of that. I I felt like I my mom wanted me to get an internship and I wanted to do something that felt meaningful <laughs> and I ended up forming a friendship with one of the um people who would sell the newspaper and he was near blind and he would um he asked me if I would start taking him to church. So I started going to church with this person who um, struggled with having a secure, safe place to sleep at night. And he was also near blind. And so there was this really incredible... It was very spiritual for me every week when we would take communion and we would walk together to the front of the church. And I had this... It was just this deep sense of... I was just in the right place at the right time. And I wasn't trying to do something spectacular or spiritual. I was just, I had the ability to put myself in that place where there were people who had lived a different sense, a different life than I had. And I think Mm -hmm. so often we form our communities based on people who are like us and based on people who have the same set of circumstances and therefore have you know, I, I'm not as able to meet some of the needs of the people who are like me because um hmm. because we don't we don't have as many material needs as a lot of people out there and I think it's being able I've I just I've sometimes imagine what would it be like if our communities were formed um in such different ways where we were with people who had completely different life experiences than us, who could feed us and we could feed them in different ways. And I think it's one of the sadnesses of our world, even right now in COVID. I mean, uh, it's it's hard to go and be in those places right now. And I think that's a, it's a loss. And um, I, I'd i be curious, so to maybe bring this back, to hear you reflect a little bit on um how, how do you listen? How do you keep yourself open to the voice of God and um, to, you know, whatever that call might be for you next? Mm-hmm.
1: To me, a really big piece uh, has been learning more and more that kind of the things that I do are not about, like, skills that I have. Hmm. It's not about me personally. It's about God can just do whatever God wants to. Um, and God knows me way better than I do. Anything that I know about myself, I've learned from God. Hmm. Um. So I, over the years, have been disabused of this sense of A, I'm in control. I don't want to be in control. When I'm in control, things are small. Hmm. Um, And that's a learned thing. I have learned that over the years. Things go better when I let God be in control and trust that really good things can happen that I don't even begin to know about. Uh, So it's been this process of kind of getting myself out of the way and just being willing to encounter the the basic principles that i know are true about god universal love um possibility healing um inclusion uh just all these things that when i when i encounter them i feel great i feel alive uh, I feel like what is happening is meaningful, you know. Um, all of that is navigation. Like very often, it's like trusting the feeling of meaningfulness more than doctrine. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the 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 spirit gives life, and the and the letter kills. You know, like that's a familiar concept, and. I think being an artist has, has really made me put that into practice, Mm. you know, um, trusting the feeling of life, even if it's different than what it seems like I'm supposed to do or what other people do, because I think God speaks in feeling, God speaks in a sense of meaning, um, you know. It's a few times God has spoken to me in words, but much more often it's been just a nudge, a feeling. Um, Yeah, Mm. so so I, I, I value listening, you know, so much. And to me, it just means being open um, and continuing to be interested in what. What feels Right.
0: (laughs) Thank you to Alex Cook for sharing your story and your work with us. If listeners are interested in seeing more of Alex's work, you can find it at stonebalancer.com and youarelovedmurals.com. If you're interested in bringing a mural to your community, reach out to Alex at alex at This information will also be in our show notes. And one final thank you to Brock Pasha, who wrote and produced Godcast's theme music.